0: But most of the last three years, you were seeing five, six, seven, eight dollars over the price of silver and and often with delivery delays. So it's really turned into a buyer's market right now. And um, you know, I think there are people when people are are looking to buy, they're certainly very happy to.
1: Well, hello there, my friends, Chris Mark is here with you for Arcadia Economics. And once again, it is time for our weekly show where we get an update on what is happening in the physical silver world, particularly in terms of premiums and product availability. And which has become a more important part of the market, especially as we've seen a lot of volatility over that over the last couple of years. So joining me as always for our Tuesday show is Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin. Andy, welcome on in. How are you today?
0: I'm all right, Chris. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me back.
1: Well, it's good to see you, and perhaps we'll dig right in. Uh, I know the premiums have been lower. In fact, you said last week that we're seeing premiums as low as has been the case since 2020. Curious if there's been any update on that this week, and maybe we'll start there.
0: Yeah, they've slid a little bit more. The 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 percentage decline, the speed in which it's declining has certainly slowed down quite a bit, but they have still uh, come down to levels that I think are without question the most affordable we've seen in quite some time, going all the way back prior to 2020. Um, These are premiums that I, I honestly am shocked that we are at these levels. I'm happy to see it. Uh, it certainly makes buying sovereign coins much more attractive. It makes buying all silver items much more attractive, uh, but it, it really shocks me how they went from such stratospheric levels for three years, from the very, very top of the food chain. Every source that I scoured throughout the universe to buy this stuff was was selling items at you know, three, four times premium what they're being sold for right now. And then just like that, everything's come down. Now, I'm not convinced that this is not going to just turn right back around as more people start jumping back into this market. But right now, unequivocally, across the board on every silver item that we sell from 1,000-ounce bars to to Silver Eagles. The premiums are the lowest they've been since literally uh, 2019.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious how people responded to that. Obviously, they don't like when premiums are, are, premiums are on the higher side. Have people been motivated, order flows picked back up, or what's been the market response so far?
0: Yeah, they have been, and we've seen a lot more interest in sovereign mint coins too, because quite frankly, I've had a hard time even buying them for myself or recommending even for our company. I mean, I know I have to have them in stock and have to offer them but it's something that I didn't take really much joy in doing in buying coins that were trading at all-time high premiums when the silver price in and of itself was lagging. Now, I understand the argument and I understand the story, but it's still aggravating. And if it's aggravating for me, I can only imagine how the consumer felt. But what we're seeing right now is a more realistic uh, semblance of reality. And, you know, if you figure that, most of the sovereign mint coins—the Krugerrand, the Philharmonic, the Maple Leaf, uh, the Britannia, um, the the Kangaroo—these are all selling somewhere between three fifty and three seventy five over the price of silver. That's not too far away from where they always were, maybe uh, a buck, a buck and a quarter above it. But most of the last three years, you were seeing five, six, seven, eight dollars over the price of silver, and and often with delivery delays. So. It's really turned into a buyer's market right now, and um, you know I think there are people when people are are looking to buy, they're certainly very happy. To me, the hardest part is to try to understand, uh, explain this, and, and help people understand how the supply chain issues, how the the um, the premium issues have vacillated so much, and quite frankly, it mystifies even myself. And um, I guess we'll have to see if you know, if if this is the beginning of a sustained period of reasonable premiums, or we're just going to move right back up and move right back up into supply chain distortions and and supply chain problems again. Um, I'm not convinced that we won't, albeit, you know, even at these levels, you're still roughly five to 7% higher than we were my whole career, premium wise. Uh, that's not much. That's not an anomaly or, or or something to you know, to look at cross-eyed, but the question is, do we stay here or we do, do we move back up? And, and part of me really feels like the mainstream has such minimal participation in this market yet that the minute they wake up and whatever the catalyst is that wakes people up, you'll see things go right back up again because I think there are too many people believing in this soft landing and believing everything's going to be okay and they'll normalize the balance sheet and all of the, you know, the same way it's always been, unless this time is different part of me believes it is.
1: Well, you talked about the mainstream, and as I know you saw last week, was shocking. We even had CNBC covering silver. Go figure that. Um, Although it's been interesting, that aside, seems like a lot has been on hold in the silver market so far for the first couple of weeks into 2023. The prices stayed right around that $24 level, at least until Monday when We saw the price drop quite a bit, but I mean, the inventory levels on the COMEX as well as the LBMA last uh, couple of weeks have stayed relatively constant. Um, Although one thing I would like to get your opinion on here, and I'm going to pull up, uh, we're recording as of Monday. We did have quite a sell-off on Monday, some recovery, but... I'm curious uh, on a day like that, what what are people saying when they call in? Uh, freaked out a little bit by the price. Seems like it happens less than we used to see this. But what was the reaction to that like?
0: It does, but you know, if you looked at a at a chart, uh, like Dimitri Speck made a chart of ten years worth of of time, and he, he comprised it all into that chart right there, basically, which is from Hong Kong to Hong Kong and everything in between. That's a 24-hour chart. And if you look at the chart that he made, he would show how he combined 10 years worth of time into one chart. And that drop right there coincides with the London PM fix as it's entering into New York. And it's uncanny that every single time it's right there. It's contrived. It's done for effect. And I think it reeks of desperation by whoever is setting the price—the commercial banks, the, the the central banks, whoever's behind that—it's just it's just asinine that you see that kind of a of a contrived market. So very frequently, always at that time, every single time at that time, as we enter New York and then it heads back up again, um, you know, I think people are wise to it. There are people that are wise to it, but it's still exasperating. It's exhausting. It's like, oh my god, again you got people who don't really quite understand it yet. Uh, Some look at it as an opportunity. I'm sure others are a little freaked out by it. Uh, To me, it's just more of an annoyance because it really doesn't change a damn thing. But when you look at sentiment, which has kind of waned a little bit since Thanksgiving, it it certainly, I'm sure, wreaks havoc on a good portion of the investment public or the people that have already bought or are buying silver. It doesn't change a damn thing. And uh, to me, it's a subsidy. And it reeks of desperation. Now, you know, Big Square talks about this huge position, uh, this this leased position that Bank of America has, and he talks about a $24 price that they're trying to maintain until they're able to close out these, these one-year uh, contracts that they have, this lease. I don't know how, what that plays into it, but you can certainly see that $24 uh, is a line in the sand that they keep defending. It goes above, it goes below, it goes above, it goes below. it's it's that number right now, which is massively undervalued on every single metric, historically in its relationship to gold, historically in its geologic ratio, uh, you know, what's how it's coming out of the ground. Heck, it's coming out of the ground right now. it's seven to one. And in every single metric, silver or under is absolutely ridiculously inexpensive. And um, that's what I try to say to people, have some perspective. Um, It's frustrating though. I get it. And there's really no other way to talk around it other than to say it's, it's complete and total crap, but it's frustrating.
1: Well, in terms of the COMEX, uh, what has been going on there in terms of premiums for those thousand ounce bars? I heard back in that November time period, they, they, We're a little bit less available, but what are the premiums like and perhaps where they've come from to where they are now and also the availability?
0: Yeah, I mean, you'll see there are some companies that have some in inventory that will fire sale them out at, you know, under a dollar. But I think that if depending upon, you know, the amount that you're buying and are you keeping them inside the Comex ecosystem or are are these bars that someone has sitting on their shelves that they're going to try and ship to you or to another depository? So, I mean, there are, it, it varies, but I would say in general, uh, off of COMEX, you're probably still gonna be north of uh, forty, dollar fifty an ounce for, for brand new COMEX bars in a COMEX facility. Now you'll find some people who have bars sitting on their shelves at home and they'll try to sell, send them to you or to another depository, they'll be less, maybe even in some cases under a dollar, but they're few and far between. It, I guess it it, de- it depends on the size of the order. If someone wants to buy a few thousand ounce bars and we have them on the shelf. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be attractive, maybe even under a dollar. But if you're looking to take a large position in COMEX uh, and have them held in a depository, you're probably about a buck, 30 buck 40. Now I haven't checked, but I think that's about where you're going to find them right now. It's been a little while since I've sold those. So that's one thing that I don't always have on my price sheet, but I would think that's a pretty accurate price. They've, they've come down from, a dollar seventy to a buck thirty, maybe even a little bit less on large quantities. I suppose I should check that next time we chat.
1: Okay. And actually yeah. I heard something you mentioned that we've talked about before. And I was listening to one of your interviews this morning that I thought would be worth touching on. You talked about how you had a customer last year and one of the situations that popped up is they wanted to take they got thousand ounce bars and they wanted to take them out of what you referred to as the Comex system. Perhaps you could walk through what happened there and what that means.
0: Yeah. So the client purchased, it was it was one of the, the two $50 million orders we did last year. And it was the second one that we did. And she um, wanted $35 million in 1,000-ounce bars. And when we secured them, they were coming. Originally, they were Royal Canadian Mint 1,000-ounce bars, brand new, that were housed in Brinks JFK. So they get taken from Ottawa in a Brinks truck across the border to Brinks JFK and entered into the COMEX ecosystem. And the gal, now we have our Brinks program, which I'm very proud of, has in the United States four depositories, one of which is JFK, one of which is Salt Lake City. And the gal wanted it stored in Brinks Salt Lake City. So I said, no problem. So I called my rep who I buy these bars from and I said, listen, um, you know, I know you quote me these bars delivered to uh, JFK, but what about if we have Brinks take them to Salt Lake City? How much more are they going to cost me to offer the client? Because there's the cost of, of the transportation and and all the labor involved in, in moving those. So he says it won't cost you that much more, maybe you know five, seven cents an ounce or whatever the number is. He says, but you don't want to do that. Uh, you're going to lose some liquidity. And I said, well, why is that? I can buy them in Salt Lake City at, at any price, you know, that same price I can buy them for in JFK. Um, he says, yeah, you can. He says, but it's it's going to not be as liquid. I said, well, why is that? He says, well, it leaves you know the Comex ecosystem. And I said, well. So what? It's being taken by a Brinks truck to another Brinks facility. No one's ever touched it but you guys. And you know, you guys administer the Brinks JFK facility. Why can't that just, you know, go right back in interchangeably? And the comment to me was that because once it leaves the the the, the COMAX ecosystem, regardless if it was Brinks to Brinks, then it is no longer in the Brinks. A chain of custody. And if an industrial buyer, and the example I use would have been Elon Musk, who wants to pay a big premium, let's say, or Samsung or Sony or Apple, they say, hey, we we need 1000 ounce bars, and we're willing to pay a 50 cent premium per ounce on every single bar that people will offload to us. You would miss out on that liquidity is what I was told, because they have to be sent back into the chain of custody have to be re assayed and put back in and the cost and the timeliness of that would disrupt or make um, make that that transaction pretty much unfeasible. So the idea was to keep it inside the Comex ecosystem. And where I the analogy that I was drawing with that or the what I was really trying to get at was that when you see all of these deliveries off of Comex, so there's a lot of movement going back and forth between the banks. And someone sent me an email about that the other day, you know what's the difference? And yes, the commercial banks are buying and selling and buying and selling and buying and selling and so much volume ted butler talks about this a lot yet the the, the net uh, the net change is like nothing because it, it makes it look like there's all this volume but there is a good portion of silver that is leaving the system leaving the vault in a truck and off it goes and that silver which you know is a a lot, a lot of it was a portion of the 300 million ounces that brinks I mean that. Excuse me. That India imported last year, leaving Comex, leaving the LBMA. When it leaves the ecosystem like that, it it's gone for good. Because whether it's a client who ultimately decided to keep it at Brinks JFK over Salt Lake City, even though she preferred Salt Lake City, or someone on a much more industrial outlook who is keeping it there, looking to capitalize on the industrial um, uh, properties or potential of, of owning silver. When it leaves, it's never coming back. And that's really what I was trying to get at with all of these deliveries leaving the ecosystem. It speaks to a one-way ticket because you can't then take advantage of the industrial liquidity. And it really matters in silver, albeit we're seeing a lot of gold leave too. But with silver in particular, when it leaves, I don't think it's ever coming back
1: yeah well that makes enough sense uh and you mentioned india there as well actually got a report from metals focus and silver institute today they clocked in at official count of 304 million ounces last year did slow down in november and december a bit so it will be interesting to see how that looks in the year going forward um with all that said anything in particular that is on sale or special this week if people are looking to purchase silver or anything that you might recommend.
0: Yeah, we're uh, we are going to issue our special today, and and I believe it is going to be one ounce silver buffalo rounds, and they are going to be for two dollars and sixty five cents over spot on the one ounce buffalo rounds, and we also have a good amount of twenty twenty two silver maple leaves, and the. Uh, queen Britannia silver, um, uh, the Queen issue silver Britannias. Now the Kings just came out, so the Britannias and the Maple Leafs will be three sixty-five over, as cheap as I've sold them for, literally in over three years, and two dollars and sixty-five cents over on the silver Buffalo rounds. So here again, you know, those Buffalo rounds were five six dollars over ninety days ago. And um, and delivery delays. So all of this is in stock. 2022 silver maple leaves, and I think the Britannias are 2023, but they're the queen version, not the king. Both of those at 365 over. So um, you know, it's 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 good availability. It's good. It's good price. And I guess we'll have to see how this plays out with premium. But I'm very comfortable in recommending things at this at these levels. Uh, And I think a lot of people would have been happy to pay these prices a few years ago, uh, all the way up through just recently here.
1: Well, certainly nice to see that the premiums have come down. And if people have questions or would like to place an order, you can do that at Arcadia at MilesFranklin.com. And Andy, I appreciate you checking in, giving us a quick update of what's going on out there. We will see how the premiums develop throughout this year. But always good to talk with you. And thanks for making some time today.
0: Yeah, so uh, next next Monday, I'll I'll we'll do our presentation or our our little conversation from the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, and I'll talk to people, engage what's going on, and report back with uh, with w- with what the experts are saying. And um, but I, I appreciate it, Chris. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and look forward to checking in with you from Vancouver next Monday.
1: Well, I'll be looking forward to that too, and we will see you next week.